Hello and welcome to Walk in the Shadowlands podcast. Let me be your guide as we take a walk into the shadowy realms of the unexplained, the paranormal, of things that go bump in the night and haunt your dreams. I'm Marianne, and I would like to welcome you to our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, today, whatever time it is, wherever you are living in this beautiful world of ours. So sit back, relax, and let me be your guide as we walk into the Shadowlands together and discover what awaits us there. I think most people have felt that wonderful feeling of moving into a new home, new beginnings, a new place to settle down and make your own, new adventures. You move into your home with feelings of positive anticipation and excitement, eager to place your stamp, your personality on this space that's just become yours, looking forward to whatever life may bring you and your family now. But what if your new dream home turns into a nightmare? What if what you thought was an empty welcoming space is suddenly not so empty or as welcoming as you initially thought? You've sunk all your savings into this place and could not move out even if you wanted to. How would you cope? What would you do? My guest this episode is one such person, one such family, who found themselves in this situation. Not having the financial resources to move out, they had to make the best of their situation and co-share their house with unseen guests who let this family know that they were around and that this was their house. What would you do in such a situation? Are you willing to walk with me into this part of the Shadowlands and see what awaits us there? Then let's begin. This episode today is a little longer than most of my episodes run for because I didn't want to split it into two episodes. My guest today, Lauren, is a 33-year-old mother of two lovely young daughters, who were born a year apart. She's from Kansas, USA and holds down a full-time job, as well as being mum. This is her story. really nice to meet you finally Lauren and thank you so much for agreeing to talk about your experiences in your home. This is probably the first time that I've ever actually sat down and and just told the whole story. So that could probably be quite cathartic for you then. Yeah definitely. 
we moved to this house in mm -hmm. August of 2015. So we've been here for probably um, a little over four years now. In the midst of all this, I told a couple of coworkers kind of about what was going on at the house, but I don't normally talk about it much because people just kind of look at me weird or really? I never know whether they really believe me or whether they're just kind of making jokes about it when I'm not around or so I just don't really tell people about it. Right. And I'm assuming your experiences all began when you moved into this new house. Yes. Um well, I moved here um, at the time. I was dating this guy. We had been dating for quite a while. Um, he had gotten a job in this town. Um, he wanted to move out of the big city where we were living. And I was down for that because at the time I hated my job where I was at. And I hated all the crime in our area. And I just was excited to kind of move to this small town out here in the middle of nowhere. And um, he said that he he knew a guy like through his work, I guess, that had a whole bunch of rental houses and he had this place that was up for rent and he wanted to go look at it. And um, it's a really it's a beautiful house. It, it's big. It's so much bigger than where we were because we were in a small little apartment. The house here, it's three bedrooms, has a full finished basement, huge fenced in backyard, attached garage, like everything that we wanted. And it was actually less than what we were paying for our apartment. So wow. I was shocked at that. Um, when we first walked in and took a look around, I felt nothing off. Like I didn't think anything strange was going on. What really kind of, I guess, our very first clue that there was something odd it actually wasn't me that that said something it was my boyfriend at the time he was he said uh have you ever noticed all the weird noises upstairs at night and our room was downstairs and then there's two bedrooms that are directly above this one and um I said yeah I I noticed it but I just kind of I remember thinking it was the plumbing yeah. <laughs> which doesn't make it because there's not like a bathroom in the bedroom there's no running water in there I don't know why I thought maybe it was the pipes or something but I just kind of shrugged it off I didn't think anything strange of it uh, but I did notice like our landlord he didn't do any background check or anything like he it was a very quick transaction it was just like okay we like this house and it's like okay cool and just gave us the keys and right it seemed like he was very eager to get someone in here. Oh, that's interesting. Right. And and I noticed pretty quickly that we were constantly getting mail from so many other different people. It, it was so many different names. I lost track of it all. And I was sitting there thinking one day, like, man, you must have had some bad luck with a lot of people just staying for a short time and then leaving. And um, at that time, I didn't really think much of it other than that. But then after a while, I started to think, oh, my God, I bet all these people, just, they probably just couldn't stay here. Right. Now I understand why. Right. So let's see here. The, I, I remember him saying, making a comment about the noises upstairs. I kind of brushed it off, but I was starting to notice it, too. And um, there was one day when I was home from work and um, my kids were at school and I think I was sick was the, the deal. And I called into work. So he was gone. I was the only one home. 
it was daytime because I remember I had gotten the kids up, got them ready for school, sent them off, and then I went back down to go lay down in bed. As I was laying there, I suddenly realized that there was all these this noise coming from upstairs, just constant, and that it had been going on for quite a while. And it was the sound of like someone walking around, someone banging something or furniture being moved. And then there was like the sound of something rolling across the floor. It almost sounded like a, I, I pictured a pencil like rolling across the floor. Right. And I thought, what's going on up there? So I went upstairs and um, I kind of was expecting to see our landlord. I thought maybe he came in to do something. And I thought, well, that's odd that he wouldn't contact me before he just walked in. And so I came upstairs kind of mad, like, who's in here? And I, when I, as soon as I got upstairs, it was just silent. And I was like, what in the heck? And I went and looked in the room, and there was nobody in there, and there was nothing that had fallen. I couldn't find anything out of place. So I I just thought, well, that's strange. And then I went back downstairs, and as soon as I got downstairs, got back in bed, the noise started up again. Mm. But even at that point, I, I still, I wasn't really afraid or anything. I, I just figured there's something that was going on that I was overlooking. I figured it was just some normal explanation. After that, um, you know, I would notice the noises quite a bit, but I couldn't find any explanation, but I didn't really assume it was anything weird. But um, I did start, I started having a lot of strange dreams, like, I would always have this same recurring dream where I was, I would believe I was awake and I'd be walking around the house. And then all of a sudden I would realize, oh my God, I'm not awake. And then I would think, okay, I'm going to be late for work. I have to get up right now. And then I couldn't wake myself up. And then I would just start panicking. And um, after a while, I started to kind of become aware that there was, I don't know how to really do it, but I was aware that there was like I, I could sense a man nearby like when I was having these dreams and sometimes he would be like murmuring something and they weren't normal dreams it, it was like almost like a wind was rushing around me during it if that makes any sense yes absolutely like I could feel like wind in my hair roaring in my ears and there was one night that it wasn't just like the sleep paralysis, but I also would get up and walk around sometimes. And um, there was one night I, I had gotten up. I was having this horrifying dream again, and I was trying so hard to get up. And I remember kind of like I was just putting all of my energy into trying to move my body. And I felt my body start to move. And then for just a brief moment, my eyes opened and I could see myself laying on the couch because I had fallen asleep on the couch. And then like I could see myself on the couch, but I could also feel myself walking around the room and kind of see the room around me, too. It was the strangest thing I've ever experienced. It was like being in two places at once. Right. So basically, you were having an out-of-body experience. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the only way that I could really describe it. But it was just so strange. Like, I was on the couch, and I knew I was on the couch. I could see myself, but I could also see myself not on the couch. And um, 
like while I was kind of, I guess, walking around or whatever, I picked up this piece of paper and wrote the words guilt and regret. And I was just writing them over and over and over. And um, somehow or another, I, I finally woke up. And when I did, I realized that I actually had written guilt and regret down on a piece of paper at some point. Wow. So that really started to creep me out. Um, and then um, shortly after that, maybe a couple of days later, um, there was a friend, she lived here in town and she would come over to the house a lot. And she had always said, like, I, I really think your house is haunted. And I would just kind of laugh it off. But, um, you know, because she was so open to that idea, I guess that I felt comfortable really telling her everything. And I told her about like the sleepwalking and the sleep paralysis and then the whole guilt and regret thing on the piece of paper. And I was telling her everything, like as we sat in the living room. And then um, after she left, she called me and she said that she had just pulled into her driveway and heard like a knocking sound on the back of her truck. And she, this particular friend, she carried a gun with her everywhere. Like she always had a gun in her purse. And she thought that there was maybe like a burglar or something out in her driveway. So she pulls the gun out, gets out of the car and was thinking she was going to find somebody standing there, but there was nobody there. And the knocking just kept going on. There was, wow. so she ran inside, called me and said, I, I really think that whatever is in her house just followed me home. And so she told me that I should get a hold of this team of paranormal investigators. There was a local team here in Kansas, and I don't know how she knew about them, but um, she was the one that really convinced me I should do this. So um, I got a hold of them, and I kind of told them what was going on, and they agreed to come out. And um, there was, I remember they came out here and the first visit was just kind of a, like a, kind of a getting to know us type deal and kind of get a feel for the house, take some pictures, um, like rule out any explainable causes. Like they look for drafty windows or old appliances that might be giving off a, a lot of uh, EMF right. and stuff like that. Um, and we were talking about just general chit chat as we sat in the living room and they had a k2 meter that was sitting on the coffee table just out in the middle of the room and it was just sitting there doing nothing and then um they started to ask more questions about what's going on in the house and i started to tell them and all of a sudden as soon as i started to talk about it the, the meter starts flashing and I didn't even know what a K2 meter was. So <laughs> I wasn't concerned really at that point, but I, I saw them looking at each other and kind of giving each other these looks. And I was like, well, what's that? What's that meter doing? What's that mean? And they said, well, it's picking up some kind of frequency. And it, it seems like, you know, whenever we start talking about what's going on here, that it's like, it's like something's poking its head around the corner and trying to listen in. So I remember that just really gave me the shudders and just thinking like, what the hell could be listening to us? Or why would it be listening to us? And 
from there, they went around and um, they they checked out, um, trying to find out if there was some source of EMF in the house that was maybe making us feel strange because they said that that can kind of cause you to feel sick. It can cause you to feel like you're being watched. Um, it, there wasn't anything out of the ordinary. Of course, like the appliances and electrical outlets and stuff were giving a reading. But um, one of the strangest things was there's this set of windows in my oldest daughter's room, which um, it's her room, but she's never slept in there because like she was so excited to have her own room when we moved here. But for some reason, she just would never stay in that room. Right. And um, I realize now, like she didn't feel like it was hers. Like she never felt like that was her area. She felt like it belong to someone else I guess she didn't feel comfortable in there and so um anyway in that room the, the these two windows had a constant EMF reading and they were asking well what's underneath here what's outside of here and, and they went down the basement and they went outside the windows trying to find a source of it and they couldn't find anything and that remained constant throughout I, I haven't checked recently, but um, for years it's been there and I don't know why. And um, when they took photos throughout the house, those particular windows and some of the photographs, they had this blue glow to them and others, they were just normal. So interesting. never had any reason why that was that way. I don't, I still don't have any explanation for that. It was just one of those weird things that, um, and then they also took another photo in my room and um, there was like something in the photograph that kind of looked like a figure sitting on the bed. Um, that was another thing that and I forgot to mention that part, but I would sometimes feel like my bed was being shaken. Right. Like I'd be in bed and it would start shaking and I would always look and see if there was an earthquake or something. And it, nine times out of ten, there wasn't an earthquake, and so I couldn't figure out why this was happening. But um, anyway, so they they finished up their initial visit, and they said they were going to come back. And um, it was maybe a couple weeks later when they did come back. Um, one of the guys, his name was it was spelled like Roth, but he pronounced it Roth. Um, he was kind of like the main the leader of the group and he was a really big guy really tall broad shoulders um he immediately kind of seemed to become a target for this whatever was in our house um, when he came in that second time um he immediately started to talk about how he felt like a pressure on his shoulders and his neck area, that he felt like something was squeezing him or pushing down on him somehow. Um, and he was asking, like, he said, who was in here? What's, is somebody touching me right now? Or what's, I can't remember exactly what he said, but, um, but of course this was all being recorded because everything was always recorded. And, um, we played back the recording and we could hear a man on there saying, they call me the Hulk. They call me the, the what? Sorry, I didn't quite hear you. They call me the Hulk. Like. Right. Like the Incredible Hulk. Like. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And that really scared me because uh, it uh, suddenly all seemed to make sense. Like the way, like I would hear like furniture being moved or feel furniture being shaken underneath me. And it was like, it was saying I'm, I'm really strong and you don't want to mess with me. Right. And just hearing that voice and those words like that, it was like, like it made my heart stop. And I, I instantly was just so terrified for my kids. Like, I kept thinking, oh, my God, what is in here? Is it going to hurt us? And um, After that, it wasn't long after that when um, they brought out the spirit box and they were asking, kind of demanding, give us your real name. And um, we did get a name just in the same guy's voice. And it was a first and last name. I don't know whether I should say the name because I don't, I know he has some living family members somewhere, even though I, I haven't really been able to find a lot of them. No, that's okay. Don't say his name or you can say it, but I won't hear it. But yeah, he, so we got his first and last name and they were asking me, do you know somebody by that name? Is it maybe a family member? And I said, I don't know. It doesn't sound familiar. And, um, so I started looking through my family tree, trying to figure out, do I know this person? And I couldn't find anything. And then suddenly I just had this idea, like, okay, I'm going to go back and look up property records. And so that's where I kind of started to notice how many people lived in that house in such a short period of time. It was just one after another, after another, and they all seemed to stay for maybe two or three months and then they'd leave. How interesting. That's never a good sign. But I I came to um, that same name and I thought, oh my gosh, that is the name of a man who lived here. And I, even at that point, I don't know why, even at that point, I thought, well, that's probably just a coincidence. And so I, I called my neighbor because she had lived here her entire life. Her mom grew up here. Um, and I asked her. Um, do you know a man by this name or did you ever know a man by this name? And um, she said, yeah, my mom knew him. Why do you ask? And I told her, well, that we got that name on the spirit box. And I said, do you know if he's still alive or what? And she said, well, I'll find out. And so she asked her mom and her mom came back and said, no, he passed away several years ago. So that's when I really started to... I was like, okay, maybe there must be something to this because that's just really odd. Right. Wow. At this stage, it must have made it even more real for you as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it did. But um, honestly, the point where it really became real, um, I was, I think this was after we had gotten the name. Um, It was a night shortly after they were supposed to come back again and it was either the night before or the day of i can't recall exactly but um i was standing in my room and i was fighting with my boyfriend at the time we had just gotten into a big argument and i was downstairs in my room when i heard i was just sitting there alone and i heard this voice saying you stupid bitch and it was just this really angry like muttering voice but it was so clear and it was just right there and then there was this growl that just kind of filled the room and I couldn't tell where it was coming from 
but I at first thought that maybe it was his dog. He had this little terrier and I thought it was him that said it, even though he wasn't in the room, but I thought it had to have been him. So I come bang, I burst through the door and he was just about to come down the stairs. He was at the top. And I said, why would you say that to me? And he was like, what are you talking about? And I said, don't try to lie to me. Why would you lie about this? I just heard you. And I kept saying, why are you lying to me? Why are you trying to make me think that I'm crazy or something? And he kept insisting. I, I didn't say a word. I don't know what you're talking about. You are acting crazy. And um, I came upstairs and I saw the first thing I noticed was that his dog was sleeping under the coffee table in his favorite spot. And he hadn't been downstairs. So that's when I really started getting worried. And um, our fight continued on. And I ended up, I pulled out my camera because I wanted to record him and I wanted to show him how he looked when he was angry. Right. Because I'd been telling him for a long time that he was just, he would get out of control angry over the stupidest things. So in my mind, I, I realized that at the time, I realized that just made it worse. But in my mind, that was my way of just being able to have proof. Like, this is what you're like. Right. I started recording him. And um, I didn't notice at the time. But when I played the, the video back, um, I heard the same man saying, you stupid bitch. And that same tone, same voice. It was the same guy and it wasn't either of us. And that's when I really thought, oh, my God, this is real. Right. So. And I guess that must have made you feel very threatened. Oh, yeah. And very vulnerable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I I felt like, okay, whatever is in this house doesn't like me. And I had gotten that feeling for a long time. Like, when I would die in my dreams, I felt like he just hated me. Like, he just wanted to make me feel small. Like, it, he was just taunting. Like, that was his, the, the impression I got from him. Right. Hateful, taunting, and just mean. Right. And so I heard that comment, and it really, really scared me. And um, it was later on, I, it, when the investigators came back again, um, they had me speak to the psychic over the phone, who was somebody who frequently worked with them. And she actually told me, um, I can't recall how we got on the subject of that comment, but um, she said, you know, that comment that he made that actually wasn't directed at you, that was directed at your boyfriend because he was abusive to his wife during his lifetime and he's carried that guilt and regret with him over to the other side. And now he doesn't like the way your boyfriend treats you. and he was calling him a stupid bitch, not you. Well, that's interesting. So why actually would, so why actually would, but the question I have as a medium myself mm -hmm. is, why would he say stupid bitch to you and not to your boyfriend? Yeah, that's, that's what I wondered also. Hmm. I would honestly take that with a grain of salt, to be honest. Yeah. I didn't really 
safer at first because I, when I heard it, I was downstairs by myself. And it's like, why would he say it down there? I think that maybe, I, I guess the, the impression that I got is that maybe he told her that he wasn't saying it to me that he would. But me, I, I think he at the time, he obviously he was angry at me for being in his house. And I think that that's probably a big part of why he said it, or maybe just he was abusive to women and he just didn't like women. I don't know. I'll give you my impressions of him later. I'm sorry for interrupting your flow, Lauren, but I, I felt I had to talk to that comment. Mm-hmm. Here's how I work as a medium. I tell you how things are, not what people want to hear, not what you want to hear. Maybe it's the Kiwi, the New Zealander in me, but it's better to give people information straight. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't talk in generalities. And sugarcoating doesn't do anybody any favors. Yeah, that's true. And I tend to feel that I think her intentions were good, but I tend to feel it was more to comfort you mm-hmm. so you wouldn't feel so personally attacked. I I honestly, I that's something that I thought about quite a bit. I felt like they all comforted me mm. and they really all had good intentions, but I feel like they, they knew, and I kept telling them so many times that uh, there's something else here. It's not just this friendly ghost that you guys are trying to, to make it out to be. There's something else here that's scaring me. It's scaring my kids. It's making us all comfortable and edgy. With my kids, um, see, the reason that I began to see him as not threatening is because well, first of all, I, I guess I should explain that uh, after when she told me that about like that comment wasn't directed at you, he's guilty and regretful for the way that he treated his wife. Um, she also said, uh, oh, gosh, but, oh, um, I I ended up telling him, I said, uh, OK, I. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I keep losing my train of thought. Um, another important thing that she had mentioned was she did. He was also angry at me for because he believed that I was going to force him to leave his home, and and I that I really felt was the absolute truth. That's what I had felt from the beginning when I very first started to sense him was that he was definitely. Was angry at me, and I wasn't really sure why. And that made perfect sense. Right. But yeah, I ended up telling him, you know, I I understand if you have some unfinished business here, you're not ready to leave. This is your home. This is where you feel comfortable. And I said, you, you don't have to go as long as you can make me a few promises. Um, and what what I had asked of him is. Um, you need to stop bothering me in my sleep, number one. Um, number two, don't ever scare my kids and don't watch us changing clothes or showering or anything like that. Um, just watch over us like you watch over this house. That's great. You set the ground rules with them. Perfect. All right. And that was my conditions. Like, okay, if you want to be here, you're going to have to, I'm going to have to lay some rules out here. And the, thing is um 
the sleepwalking, sleep paralysis, all of it, it stopped immediately. Right. And uh, this was something that I had complained about to my my doctor, my therapist, like all medical professionals that put me on different medications and stuff like that. And they couldn't find a cause for it. They couldn't find anything that would help it. Um, but as soon as I told him that it stopped bothering me in my sleep, it stopped. It never happened since then. So that was awesome. That was something that definitely I know that is pretty hotly debated as to whether sleep paralysis is something paranormal, but I definitely believe that it is now, at least in some cases. In some cases, absolutely it is. In most cases, though, it has definite physiological reasons, but I don't know what the statistics would be, but really does it have spiritual reasons? Mostly it's a physiological response of your body. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, and, like, he never would, he didn't scare my kids. Um, He kept his word on that for quite a while, and that's what made him gain my trust because I thought, okay, he's obviously very strong. He calls himself the Hulk. He can shake furniture, and um, he can push people and that kind of thing. Right. But he never harmed my kids when he could, so that made me gain some trust for him. Um, there was another incident where I can't remember if this was before or after we learned his name, but um, the investigators were over and they had him cornered in a, a room. Like we were hearing him run up the stairs, down the stairs, and we had just basically spent the whole night kind of running after him, trying to pin him down. And they finally kind of got him in a room where he felt trapped, I guess. And he actually pushed one of the investigators um, the big one, and uh, he kind of stumbled backwards a bit, and you could hear like this whoosh as he just like flew past him. Couldn't see anything, but you could hear it, and you could see him stumble back. And he said something just pushed me for sure. So I mean, he could definitely he could get physical. Right. There were times when they were over when. Um, like we would, I had never felt touched by a ghost before. And I remember asking, like, can you touch me? I'm just curious what it would feel like. And he did. And he just patted my hair. And it was, it wasn't a threatening touch at all. It wasn't menacing. And it wasn't even like cold. Like people think that when they get touched by spirit, that it's going to be this icy touch. But it wasn't. It just felt like a person just touching my hair. It was the craziest thing. So, um, but there were other times, and, and I don't know for certain that it was him or if it was someone else, but um, there were times when I would be touched unexpectedly and it would scare the scare me to death. Like I would be sitting on the couch not expecting anything and just all of a sudden I'd feel like a finger running down my chest. And... Um, so that was pretty terrifying. Right. But for the most, didn't bother my kids. But um, there towards the end, um, things were really starting to get bad. Like it, it, everything was peaceful for a long while when I was single and it was just me and the girls in the house. Right. So you and your boyfriend at that time had broken up. Yes. Um, 
we broke up almost, I think it was the day after that psychic had said that comment was directed at him. Um, so we broke up shortly after that. And then I was single for quite a while and it was just me and the girls here. And then um, when I started dating somebody new, that's when it all started to go downhill. Looking back now, I really think a big part of it was that he just didn't like having man in his house. And it, it always seemed to cause problems. Um, there was another incident where my daughter's dad had came down with his dad and they came to stay the night. Um, they were supposed to do something. They had some kind of business to do and they were going to be here for a couple of days and they were staying at my house. And mm-hmm. I remember like I, I heard all this racket going on in that room where the, the blue glowing windows. And so I went in there and I started recording for a couple of minutes and I didn't listen to it right away. Like, I guess I was kind of scared to listen to it, right. but um, I finally did listen to it and it was the whole the man whispering he's in the red get the right man and I was thinking well, what does that mean and I went back and looked at our photos that we had taken that weekend we had taken several photos and their grandpa was wearing a black t-shirt and their dad was wearing a red t-shirt so I realized then that he was talking about their dad and I was like I I was talking about their dad and then I remembered um I had kind of told them that night about some of the stuff that was going on and kind of warned them, like, if you hear some weird noises in the night, that's probably why. And I remember their dad was just kind of laughing it off and he was saying, I'm not afraid of any ghosts and um, he's not going to scare me and just kind of saying stuff to kind of taunt him. Right. Um. So that night he went to bed. Um, he slept in the girls' room and their dad slept in that other room with the, the weird glowing windows and he slept totally fine. But um I had stayed up late watching TV and I heard something like stomping across the floor. And I didn't even really bat an eye because I was so used to footsteps at this point that it didn't even it barely even registered with me. Right. But I remember I, I, at some point I shut off the TV and I went to bed and then I came back upstairs to get a bottle of water. And um, as soon as I opened the door um, at the top of the stairs, I saw their dad standing there in the kitchen. And he was just kind of standing there in the dark, kind of peeking around the corner. And I, I said, what are you doing? And he was like, well, I was expecting you to come around the other corner over there. And I was like, well, why? What are you talking about? And he said, well, because I just heard somebody up here. Somebody was stomping up towards me and I could hear him getting closer and closer. And then I heard somebody going, hey, hey. And I guess he jumped up and was looking around for somebody and there was nobody there. Wow. But um, yeah, after... um. Pretty much, like, after that, he never really, he didn't make fun of it anymore. And he knew that it wasn't anything out of it's just exaggerating or making up things. But he never, never said anything else about it. But um, 
during one investigation, my sister had come down because she kind of, she had never been to like a a paranormal investigation and she kind of wanted to see how it all worked. And so she came down and <clears throat> of course, all kinds of crazy stuff was happening. And even still, like she's just so, so logical and scientific minded that she, she was sitting there kind of. She's like, man, a lot of this stuff is really strange, but I feel like there must be some explanation for it. It's kind of the same same attitude that I had, even though I couldn't explain it. I just felt like there must be something, some reason. So I, I said, okay, so you you know, you're not sure if you believe it or not. And she's like, I I don't know. And um, anyway, that night she went to bed. Um, she had slept downstairs in the bed that I normally sleep in and I had slept on the couch. And um, I just remember the next day it was 7 a.m. and it was Saturday morning. Um, but she came upstairs first thing in the morning and just said, I can't be here anymore. I have to leave. And I was like, what's wrong? And she's like, wow. I just have to leave. And she had her suitcase and she just left. And I was like, what the heck was that about? And I called her and, um, Later on, she had told me um, that she felt like she was being held down and there was this man in her dream or whatever that was saying, if you had such a problem, why did you come here if you had such a problem with me or something like that? And it was (laughs) the only time that she's ever had sleep paralysis. Like She actually looked it up, like Googled it to see what that was because she'd never experienced it and didn't know what it was. And she said, I'm I'm pretty sure it's sleep paralysis. And yeah, of course, it's a medical thing. And (laughs) I remember saying like, well, there's a, there's a medical reason for it. I don't know why it happens, but but, I mean, she really couldn't explain it and she knows she couldn't explain it. And she's never been back here since then. And that was probably that was over a year ago. Wow. I just thought, like, what are the odds? Because I had never had a problem with sleep paralysis either. And it just kind of blew me away that we would both have sleep paralysis in the same house, same bed, mm. same scenario. Yes. Interesting. Right. Now, let's go back to the investigation team for a little bit. How long did this team come to your house for? Over what period of time? Um, they continued to come several times, um, for a period of about at least six months or more, <clears throat> they would come pretty regularly. Um, but I, after a while, I guess I kind of started to feel kind of like what we talked about, like, like they were sugarcoating things almost like I, I felt right. And I also kind of felt like they were hiding things from me for some reason, like, uh, of their photos and stuff I still don't have copies of um and I, I'm not sure why like I, I've never gotten copies of some of the recordings um and I just felt like there was just something and I I don't know what it could have been that they weren't forthcoming about so actually Lauren you felt you were being used a little bit yeah I really did yeah so obviously this group never actually helped you in any substantial way or in any way. They were just there to collect evidence for themselves and you just happened to be there by the sounds of it. Yeah. 
um, that is how I started to feel. And I, I became like really just kind of down and depressed. I felt like they weren't helping. They weren't getting to the bottom of it. Um, I felt like they were just kind of making the issue worse. Um, like it seemed to get more and more active and I, I don't really know why, but it was just coming more active. Um, one thing I did, well, one of the huge things I forgot to mention, um, when I spoke to that psychic, um, another thing that she had talked about was his guilt over the way he had treated his wife. But um, I remember asking him through her, I said, is, is there anything that you want me to tell her? Um, is there something that you want me to do for you that would make you feel better? Do you have something you need to take care of? And um, he wanted to tell her that he was sorry. Right. And I didn't know who his wife was at that time, but I did find out through just asking around. And so I got her name and I actually found out where she lived. And um, I remember like I, I wanted to go and talk to her, but I was just afraid to because I didn't know what she would think or you know, some people actually might get angry about mm-hmm. it or think that I'm out to 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 gain something from it. Of course. So I wasn't sure how to react, but um, I ended up, I, I, I said, okay, I've got to do this. Because in my mind, I really thought that that's why he was still here. I thought he needed to get this message out and that'll help him to cross over. Right. So. Um, I, I went to her door and then I chickened out a couple times, but, um, I finally, one day I just went to her door and, um, there was a neighbor that was outside and she asked who I was looking for. And I told her, and she just gave me this really serious look. And she said, well, I can tell that she really needs to hear what you're about to say. (laughs) And it just, like, it still kind of gives me goosebumps. It's like, I don't know how she knew that or but she just said I, I can tell that she needs to hear this and right so I went up to her door and I knocked and she answered and um she was an elderly woman I I just blurted out I said I live in the house that you used to live in I know you don't know me but I live in your old house and I'm being haunted by your dead husband and he wants you to know that he's sorry and um, she started crying at that point. And she said, um, she said, yeah, he was really bad. He was, he was abusive to her, their marriage. I tend to feel this chap had a really bad drinking problem, which exacerbated his violence. Yeah, he did. And um, he would get angry at me, even like if I went to pour myself a drink. I, it, it became worse and worse to the point where... Um, Towards the end, like we would always hear, like we would hear this clinking sound or like a bell or a clink all the time. And um, I finally realized that I'm not for certain what all of it was because I know that there were times when there were no glasses in the room and we were still hearing the sound of glass being like tapped on. Right. Um, sometimes my glasses would actually like explode. Oh, wow. Or be- have holes poked in them somehow like and there was one time when I actually had a glass with a drink in it sitting right next to me and it just burst wow and 
I really feel like that was him. And it was him trying to say, like, stop drinking. Um, there was another time when I, I told him while recording, I said, um, why are you making me feel this way? Because I'm feeling your emotions and, and you're making me sad and angry. And I happened to have a drink in my hand at that time. And he said, the bottle won't fix this. And so that that really, and his voice was just very angry and bitter when he said it. And I know that he definitely he had a problem with alcohol. He hated alcohol. Yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah. Anyway, so his his wife or his ex wife, I guess, um, she had said that he had been really bad to her, and um, she was crying a little bit, and she said she'd been wanting to hear that he was sorry for a long time, but um. Oh. Then she said uh, that Bill lives on a farm with 27 horses and she sees him every Christmas because of their kid. And I I remember just I left her house thinking, like, did I contact the wrong woman? What was that about? And um, I called my neighbor, told her what had happened. And she said, yeah, she's got advanced Alzheimer's and they're getting ready to move her to a nursing home within the following week or so so it's pretty crazy that I was able to to track her down before they moved her because I don't know where she would have went to or if I would have been able to talk to her or what I'm just really glad that I I got the chance to talk to her before she was right right and that you listened to the promptings you were given that spirit obviously gave you and and that she was for that initial period anyway long enough for her to get that message that she needed to hear was consciously aware and not in an Alzheimer's state. Right. And that really like shocked me that she still remembered that abuse so clearly, just being as as out of it as she clearly was, because she believed that he was still alive. So oh. so it really threw me off. I couldn't believe that. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. And um, anyway, and um, the, another thing that we would hear quite a bit was the sound of a woman crying. And I would only hear it late at night. I would hear just kind of a woman sobbing and I would go to look for where it was coming from and it would stop. And right. Um, there were several times that I thought maybe one of my kids had fallen out of bed or something and I come running upstairs and of course everything's quiet. Right. Um, that I would hear this woman crying sometimes or sometimes just saying no. And she never like communicated with me intelligently. So that's when I started to kind of feel like maybe she's, she's not an intelligent spirit. Like he is, I felt like she was a residual energy. Right. There was only one time when I, I, did kind of get an intelligent response from her we were talking about her trying to figure out who she was and we started to think that maybe she was attached to a clock that we had in our living room and I remember asking her if I get rid of this clock will that set you free should I get rid of the clock and I could hear her saying no 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 that was the only time that she still said the same word but it was almost like it was in response to what I was saying to her Mm-hmm. Other than that it was just something that we would randomly hear and 
we couldn't get her to communicate back and forth or anything like that. Mm. Right. So in your home, you've had footsteps, you've had banging, you've had sleep paralysis episodes, you've had sleep walking episodes and writing in your sleep, you've had disembodied spirit voices, you've had poltergeist activity with your glass exploding. And there was something else, wasn't there? Um, gosh, said there's a lot of other stuff and I, I'm trying to recall it all. I mean, <clears throat> I just get the feeling that there was an there was one other specific incident where spirit moved something or rather actually something about a door. Shut the door, something like that. That's what I'm feeling anyway. It's funny that you would say shut the door because um there was one incident where um I used to constantly sage trying to get rid of the activity in my house and it never really seemed to get rid of it. In fact, I, it seemed like it just stirred it up more. Right. But, um, and I would also record during the sagings, which I probably shouldn't be doing. Uh, no, you shouldn't. <laughs> but um, I guess in my mind, it was like, I wanted to hear if there was something going on and if I didn't hear anything, then I felt like, okay, that'll give me some peace of mind. So I would always record it. That um, there was one time when I was saging and I have always been told you leave the door open so that it can go out the door. It has to have a way to get out. So um, I had just opened the door and then um I lit the sage and I started to go about my normal process. And right after I opened the door, I shut it. And um, my boyfriend was the only person in the house at the time. And he asked me, well, why did you shut that door? I'm supposed to leave that open. And I said, oh, yeah, I don't know why I shut that. So I went and opened it back up. Um, but when I listened to the recording, I actually heard right before I shut the door, I heard someone say, shut the door. And then I shut it. Wow. So that that scared me quite a bit, like something because I didn't consciously hear it. I didn't realize that was being said at all until I played that back. But I didn't hear it, but I carried out the action that it was telling me to do. Mm-hmm. So that me out quite a bit. And I got to thinking about like, gosh, how many times has it influenced me to do something that I was completely unaware that this was going on? Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I mean, and there was, um, really towards the end, it, it just started to get worse and worse. There were the feeling in the, the house was just terrifying a lot of times. Like it, it felt like we were constantly being watched. Um, there was an incident where I know I was watched in the shower. I could feel something in there. And, and when I got out, I, I heard something. I, I just knew that there was something in there. Right. And, um, one night, my daughter heard, she got up to go to the bathroom, and she had just shut the bathroom door, and then she could hear, like, a, a woman sobbing, and someone stomped up to her and was growling at her to shut up, and she was just crying, and somebody was just stomping around yelling at her, and she was so scared that she actually stayed in the bathroom until the alarm went off. And so it was like a couple hours that she was just shut in the bathroom. Uh-huh. And that's when I was like, okay, we need help. And I was just so lost at this point, just feeling like, I was like, I don't know 
what we're ever going to be able to do, if we'll ever be able to get rid of this. I just felt so hopeless. Right. Um, and then the night after that, I actually, um, I was sitting on the couch when I heard somebody kind of walking around in the hallway and I looked up expecting to see one of my kids, but there was just this man. Um, it was like a, didn't have any features or anything. It was like a, a stocky kind of short bald guy. And he was just standing there just staring at me. Like, I don't really want to say staring because have like a face, but it was just this guy just standing there. And it, it, I just sat there looking back and I just thought, what the hell's going on here? Like, well, how is this happening? And I don't know how long we sat there like that, but um, eventually I heard it growl, like this very angry animal-like growl. And I don't know if it walked back out or if it just dissipated or what exactly happened. I just know that it walked out, it stood there for a while, and it growled. Wow. And then on another occasion, um, the investigators that had been coming over, they, they had gotten to our house before we did. We were supposed to meet there at a certain time and we were running a bit behind. And so they got there maybe 10 minutes before us and we were sitting outside. And they, they asked us, I remember I got a text saying, are you guys home? And I said, no, we're on the way. And when we got there, we realized that they had been sitting out there and they asked if we were home because they saw somebody through the windows and they saw kind of almost just like exactly what I saw, like a short, stocky, bald man. Um, another neighbor that lives across the street from me also commented about she had seen the same short, stocky, bald man wow. just through the front curtains. So that was pretty awesome. So do you think that this gentleman that you saw, this man that you saw, this being that you saw was the Hulk? I don't know. Um, to this day, I, I don't really know because um, there was another. If it was him, then he could obviously take on different forms because um Several other people described a man that would peer around the corners and they kind of, they described him as kind of looking like Kevin Bacon. Tall and lanky, yeah. They would all describe it kind of like a guy with like, like spiky hair, kind of from the 80s. And um, right. it wasn't the same man that they were describing as this short, stocky, bald guy, but several people had said that they'd seen this face looking at them and then when they look over it, it just kind of disappears. I feel like that face looking at them was the Hulk, but and and I'm not sure who it would be, but um I did eventually I, I got in touch with another group and I will always be so grateful that I found them. I actually found them by chance because I reached out one day on Facebook um, in a group for impasse mm. and I posted about what was going on. I said, um, I, this is really hard for me to talk about. I don't have a lot of people I can um, turn to on this. It, it's kind of, it's a difficult subject, but I need to put this out here. We desperately need help. Um, we're just in a really bad situation. And I talked about how, my daughter had stayed in the bathroom for half the night because she was just terrified to come out and about 
how I'd seen this man that walked out and growled at me and we were all scared. And I said, I just, I, I don't know if anybody here knows of anyone that might be able to help us, but I'm just looking for anybody or anything that can help. And somebody referred me to this group um, that was actually, they're based out of Washington, which is quite a long ways from us. So um, I was kind of like, you know, I, I don't know if this will work or anything, but I'll give it a shot. Um, and so I reached out to them and I found out that they don't actually have to come to me. They were, um, they did astral travel, mm-hmm. which I didn't think about that. So I was just kind of just real skeptical about it. And I really had no that anybody could help us at this point. But um, they actually, they have what they call an emergency response team, which is um, anybody that where there's children involved in, in a situation that's just not good, um, that goes to the top of the list and they'll help out quickly, um, which they did. They jumped on it pretty fast and they had somebody come in through astral travel. Um, she said she got back with me the next day and she said the first thing she encountered was a shadow person. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what that was, but I guess it, it like some a creature that's never been a living person that just kind of feeds off of negative energy. Mm-hmm. And she said he wasn't threatening, but he just startled me like a, he was more of a boot kind of startly type guy. Right. And she said she had gotten rid of him. And then she said, I also ran into the living, the spirit that was a living person. Um, he's he killed himself in your home and that's why he won't leave. And he's angry that you guys are in his home. So um, she didn't go into a whole lot of detail, but basically just said that um, he had killed himself here. Um, that noise of something rolling across the floor that I kept hearing that was the shell casing from the bullet wound. And um, the woman that's, that would cry, I really strongly believe that that was his wife that is actually still alive. But I, I think that just her, like the energy of just the sadness, the abuse, right. the the tragedy that happened here and and her sobbing over it. I feel like that was just so such an intense um, energy that it just stayed. Right. So that's the best that I can explain it, I guess. Right. And so they said that, so what did they do then? They got rid of the shadow person and. And they told me that they had convinced the man to leave, but I, I thought, no, they didn't. (laughs) But I just didn't, I, I didn't believe that they were going to be able to make him leave because he was just, I knew that he was really stubborn and, um, you know, that it, it's kind of like from, the, from looking back now, like it sounds like he was all bad, but he really wasn't. And I, I kind of, um, like I started to kind of, I was kind of fond of him until he started acting up after me and then that's when the trouble started. But when it was just me and my girls, I didn't mind him at all. He didn't bother me. He actually had kind of a little funny sense of humor. And like, I really appreciated him not, not scaring my kids and stuff. And that, that made me trust him. Right. So it really wasn't until, 
until I had started dating somebody when I really started to feel like he was a problem. But um, anyway, they uh, they said that they had convinced him to leave. And I thought, there's no way that you guys came in and in one night convinced this guy to leave after. I just don't believe it. But um, it was oddly quiet for a couple of days. And I thought maybe they did do something. But then it started back up. And so I kept reaching out to them like, I don't know what's going on, but he's not gone. He's still here. I know he's here. I can hear him walking around. He's constantly like in my kids' room and stuff. And um, there was one night when she texted me. Um, I was laying in bed and she texted me. Um, Is he up there messing with your kids right now? And that's when I knew that she was the real deal because that was right when I had heard the footsteps start for the night. And he was up there at that time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I said, yeah, like we're sitting here listening to him right now. And she said, okay, I'm going in there because this is not cool. So she came in, I guess, and talked to him. And um, she said, well, he, he should be leaving. He's a stubborn one, but I, he should be leaving. And it took a while. It probably took, I'd say, probably about four to six weeks where it just kind of tapered off. And then it's been quiet for the most part. Um, Now and then I'll still hear stuff, but for the most part, it's really tapered off. How long ago was was it that that happened, Lauren? Like, how long ago was the last contact you had with this chap? How long has it been quiet? Um, I want to say, let's see, I think they got rid of him. It probably, I, I haven't had any contact with them since May. So it's been almost five or six months now. Yeah, yeah, six months, nearly seven. So it's been fairly quiet for you and things have settled down for your girls? Yeah, so I, I think, um, my oldest, especially, she had kind of grown attached to the man. Um, like she would tell me that she would like sit in her closet when she was, whenever she was stressed out, she would always like go to her closet and fall asleep. <laughs> I don't know why, but she still does it every now and then. She gets real stressed. My son used to do that too. Yeah. <laughs> but she, she would go in the closet and she would talk to him and, um, it made her feel better. And, so she was attached to him. She didn't want to see him go, but um, she understands now for sure that it definitely, it just wasn't a good situation anymore. When this woman remotely viewed and visited your home, what did she say about the stocky man you saw? She couldn't give me any real answer on that, which kind of, it bothered me, but I didn't ask a whole lot of questions because at that point I was just so, I just was like, you know, whatever you guys got to do, just do it. I just want this all to end. Like I want to be able to live a normal life. This is affecting us every day and I can't do it anymore. And um, uh, basically another big thing that they advised us to do is to not pay it any attention anymore to kind of um, just we weren't supposed to record anything. We weren't supposed to use any equipment like EMF detectors. Mm. We weren't supposed to acknowledge the things that it was doing to try to get our attention. So um, we 
didn't speak about it in the house at all. Um, it was just something that we, it was a struggle at first, but eventually we got to the point where we were, we were able to just not pay it any mind. Right. But, um, but yeah, I never did really get a clear answer as to whether the stocky guy was the living spirit or the shadow person or, or what. Right. Right. And how are you feeling now? Um, I feel a lot better than I did. Um, but like the past couple of days, there's been some incidents where like I, I got kind of nervous. Um, like I heard something in my room yesterday. Um, there was one time where I played a recording because I finally felt safe to go through and listen to all my recordings. And I played one in the house and I immediately heard somebody like stomping up the stairs. And so I shut it off and I said, okay, no more. I'm not going to do that anymore. Mm. So it's almost like, it's like PTSD. Like I have to kind of change my life around to, to avoid triggering any activity i guess that's interesting you shouldn't have to change your life to avoid triggering activities right here's the thing this is your space you have legal rights to the house and so you shouldn't have to live look at it this way lauren if you were living with another person a guest this person was in your house a living person would you tiptoe around them walk on eggshells around them in your own home to suit them simply because they're there? No. <laughs> no. So you shouldn't have to do the same. With, with Just because the person's in spirit doesn't give them any more rights over you than it would give a living person. Yeah. Too many people give their power away. Right. They think that because the person's dead, that you have to respect them, that you can't talk all of them, or that you have to love them, even if they were unlovable. If they were, by unlovable, I mean, most everybody's lovable to some degree or another. I mean, if they were people that were really nasty, or mean, or drunks, or abusive, or abusers, or heavy drug users. Mm -hmm. Their basic character does not alter once they die until they pass over. And if they're earthbound, if they've remained, then their character stays the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you don't, you treat them like you'd treat a living person. If they deserve your respect, you respect them. I mean, you would still speak to them politely. You would still be like courteous, you know? Like you would like to be spoken to, but you don't take any shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so what I'm saying is that you shouldn't have to walk around like that in your own home and feel unsafe still because obviously you still feel unsafe. So I'm going to give you a couple of ideas or tools that may help you. First of all, you need to claim back your space. Now, I don't know. See, too many people give their power away to groups to people who think they know more than they do, to religious organizations, and I include spiritual groups in with this as well, when actually you have the power inside you to deal with this. It's just our fears hold us back, and the key to dealing with anything like this is your intent. Your intent is absolutely everything. You have to be crystal clear about what your intent is because if there's any doubt in your mind, then that is what you're putting out. For example, 
you're spiritually cleansing energies from your home but in your mind you're saying to yourself oh I hope this works oh I don't think it will I'm not strong enough brave enough uh, good enough I don't have the authority etc so that's the intent you're actually putting out is you're thinking it won't work so of course it won't do you understand what I'm saying yeah that makes sense yeah so okay so first you claim back your space verbally this is my home this is where I live this is my space now if you come into my space these are the rules I expect you to follow and you lay down precisely what you expect what your boundaries are for example such as no causing members in the family to be frightened by their activities you don't want to hear their footsteps whatever whatever's comfortable for you uh-huh. whatever's going to make you feel safe and secure and you verbalize your rules like you did initially with him and you say this is what I will do this is what I will allow if you do not abide by these rules then you will leave this house yeah and you need to use your mummy voice know what I mean yeah <laughs> I do don't be polite and gentle be like a mama bear right Oh, there were many times when I would, uh, when something that I remember there was one time my kids were washing the dishes and they heard the growl and I came running in there with my mom voice and said, you listen here, yeah. <laughs> you don't ever growl at my kids. Perfect. That's the mama bear. Perfect. So that's the voice that you use. That's the tone that you need to use. Respectful but firm. Right. So when you were cleansing your home, now, many people think that you can only use sage to cleanse a house because that's what's all over the movies, all over the paranormal shows on TV. But actually, no. There are many things you can use to cleanse your home. Salt and water is very, very excellent at cleansing. Many herbs, woods, resins, herbs such as rosemary, bay, basil, woods such as sandalwood, palo santo, resins like sandalwood, copal, um, pine, frankincense, amongst others. These are all good substitutes to burn in place of sage if you want to burn something. Even a stick of incense will do the trick. Because actually it's not necessarily what you use, it's your intent behind it. And what you're using is just a tool. It's a ritual to help you focus your energy and your intent. Do you understand that? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so it doesn't matter what you actually use. It's your intent behind it. It's like pointing a laser. The ritual is the hand that points the laser. Okay, so it focuses and it sharpens your intent. So you don't have to use sage or burn things. Actually, a lot of people can't tolerate smoke. So salt and water is excellent or just plain water or seawater, or water from a river, it's your intent that matters. Yeah. I mean, if you're religious, you can ask a prayer over the water or over the salt and water, but again, it's focusing your intent. Like you could say something like, "Mm, I ask that this salt and water be blessed and purified so that it will cleanse this house of any negative entities, beings, thought forms, thoughts, intents, etc. Yeah. So... When you go to cleanse your place, I always tell my people, open your doors, 
open your windows, open your cupboards, open your wardrobe doors, open your drawers. Yeah. It's an energy flow thing. And this is just about the energy flow. But some spirits, some entities will go and find places to hide because they don't want to leave for whatever reason. Yeah, that was a common, when we would sage, I would always hear someone whispering hide, like throughout the whole time, mm. like several times someone would say hide, hide, hide. And that's why I mm. obsessively just opening every cabinet, opening every drawer and getting that mm-hmm. every nook and cranny because I'm like, you are not going to hide in here. Well done. Well done. Absolutely. Okay, so when you go to cleanse, firstly, you have to have your total focus on what you're doing, which is probably why it didn't work so well for you when you were recording at the same time. So when you go to cleanse, you verbally state your intent, like you ask a blessing or a prayer over whatever it is that you're using. Or you just state the purpose of what that purpose of that item is. If it's salt and water or burning herbs that will cleanse your home and property, then you verbally state your intent, something like this. With the salt and water, with the smoke from this incense, I will cleanse and remove any negative energies, entities, beings, thought forms, thoughts or intents, any star residual energy, anything that's not here with positive intent will be removed from this house. So you verbally state your intent at the beginning, before you begin, and as you go through the house in each room. Uh But not only that, then you say something like, and as these negative energies, beings, thought forms, etc., etc., are removed, that they be replaced with positive, uplifting, harmonious, clean, fresh energies that will uplift and encourage everybody that lives here, that will promote positive communication, that will promote love, peace, harmony, right? whatever words you feel to say. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that it's okay to get rid of the negative or stale energies or residual energies, but you have to invite positive in as well. Right. So that's how you cleanse. It's not merely waving some smoke around. You need to be crystal clear about your intent and purpose, and you have to be totally focused on what you're doing. And you can do this. You can do this yourself. You don't need to give away your power to somebody else, to some group or organization to come and cleanse your home. Nobody does. I'm all for that saying, give a man a fish and feed him for a day, teach him to fish and feed him for life. It's all about empowering people to take back their spaces and do it for themselves. Don't give your power away when you can do it yourself. Quite easily. It's not hard in the least. Yeah, I agree with that completely. It's actually a good idea, Lauren, to energetically cleanse the energies in your home regularly anyway. Because anytime there's an argument in the home, think of think of old style energies like house dust that settles in the corners of your rooms, on your windowsills, etc. Right. So if there's arguments, then after an argument, you should cleanse the energies in your home. After somebody's been sick in the house, cleanse the energies in your home. Right. Do it on a regular basis. It's as important to cleanse the energies in your home as it is to physically cleanse your house. Yeah. 
I know it's very late there and you have work in the morning. It's been awesome speaking with you, Lauren. Thanks so much for sharing all that with my listeners and I. What an interesting lot of experiences and pretty scary when you don't know what you're dealing with. Right, for sure. But yeah, you helped a lot. I, I feel a weight off me, so I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, too. experiences have not quite ended with the Hulk. He wasn't removed from her home, in part because Lauren and her daughters had grown fond of him and and didn't really want to see him go, and because he fears moving on. He fears moving on partly because of his manner of death and because of mistakes and judgment he made when living, but then who hasn't made mistakes or bad decisions in their lives? Lauren in particular had not wanted to let him go because she felt compassion for him and had grown fond of him despite her fears. We had quite a large discussion about this which has not been included in this episode because it's private and personal to her. The only part of that discussion that remains in this episode is the part about cleansing energies from one's home and I kept it with Lauren's permission because I felt the information might be useful to some of you out there. Lauren now has the tools and knowledge she needs to be able to resolve this ongoing situation to her satisfaction. I feel it's so very important to give people in her situation not only the tools so they can help themselves, but also knowledge. Knowledge is power, and it helps people in her situation to be able to regain their sense of some control over something that until then had been out of their control, at least to their level of understanding at that stage. I've concerns about the first investigation team who came into her home to investigate. It's obvious to me that they were not there to help her as they offered her no assistance in removing or cleansing her home. They were just there to get evidence and it left Lauren, after a while, feeling used. This is a bit of a bugbear of mine. By all means investigate, obtain evidence, but help the homeowner. Explain to them what you're doing and why. Give them copies of every scrap of evidence you capture at their home and do not use it to promote your group in any way without the homeowner's permission. These are simple basic rules really and one would think common courtesy and obtain help for them, whatever sort of help they need. Don't leave them stranded. The second group, I can hear some of you out there saying, How can this possibly be really helpful? How can it really work? Astral travel, remote viewing? Yes, you can actually help people remotely. You don't always need to be physically present. There's no time or distance for energy. Everything's interconnected really. But you do have to know what it is you're doing. And the lady did think she'd gotten the Hulk to leave, but Lauren really wasn't ready to let him go, despite her fears, and so he stayed because basically she'd given him permission to stay. Quietly there in the background, but still there in her home. Now Lauren understands he needs to move on so he can receive the healing he so desperately needs. And she's ready to let him go. 
She has the tools, she has the knowledge, and I know she absolutely can do this. I'll keep you all updated as she lets me know how things are going with her. musical score today is called Bittersweet by Poddington Bear, licensed under Creative Commons. For more information, check out this episode's page on the podcast website at www.walkintheshadowlands.com. If you have any suggestions for topics you might like me to cover in upcoming episodes, then please don't hesitate to contact me. Or if any of you have any questions or any comments that you'd like to make or experiences that you might like to share with myself and my audience, then just email me at shadowlands at yahoo.com. If you enjoyed this episode, then please leave a positive rating and don't be shy to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts or on your chosen podcasting platform. Who knows? You may hear your review read out at the end of one of these podcasts. And of course, so you don't miss out on any episode, make sure you subscribe on your favourite podcasting platform. This podcast is available on all free podcasting platforms and available from iHeartRadio as well. If you don't have a smartphone, then you can listen to the episodes from the podcast website www.walkingtheshadowlands.com For those hearing impaired, there's a full written transcript of each episode on the website so you don't miss out at all. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your workmates about our show. Encourage them to listen and to subscribe also. The more the merrier. Check out our Facebook page, Walking the Shadowlands, our Instagram feed of the same name, and our Twitter feed, at Shadowlands10. Like and follow for hints on our upcoming episodes. Thank you so much for listening. Tonight, today, wherever you are in this beautiful world of ours, we'll see you this time next week. Thanks for listening. 